Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. In this episode of the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast, where we cut through all the BS and focus on what actually works, I want to review a fairly new research study implying that our previous understanding of ideal training volume to maximize muscle growth has been highly underestimated. Because up until now, the general consensus has been somewhere between 10 to 20 working sets per muscle group per week as optimal. And a working set is generally considered to be within two to three reps of failure. Now, this recent study implies that the ideal training volume for growth is significantly higher than that. More than double, actually. Results over a 12-week period indicated that working up to 52 sets per week yielded meaningful better results than 22 working sets. So I'm going to break down the study briefly, give you my opinion on what to consider when applying the information, how to use it to your benefit in training if it applies to your goals, and whether you should consider using it at all. So here's the study. A group of pretty experienced lifters who had been training consistently enough to be able to squat a minimum of 315 pounds at parallel were split into three groups. All of them were put through a two-week preparation phase at lower volumes to work up to a minimum of 22 sets per week, as I understand it. Now, participants were able to train the upper body themselves with no controlled approach or relative testing of upper body development. And everyone's training intensity throughout the following 12 weeks after the initial two-week preparation phase was of relative difficulty because all the sets were taken to two reps left in reserve at minimum, and the final set was taken to failure. So they were working pretty hard. Now, The study was focused on quad development and all participants focused on three movements of squats, leg extensions, and leg press at a frequency of three times per week. And there were some added hamstring work of about eight sets per week that stayed consistent throughout the course of the 12 week period. Now, group number one, did 22 working sets per week throughout the entire 12 weeks. Group number two started at 22 sets, added four sets every two weeks to work up to higher volume. And group number three went from 22 sets to 52 sets over the same 12-week period by adding a total of six sets to the workouts every two weeks. So, the results for muscular development proved to be greater as the volume increased with the greatest development coming from group number three. It's believed that the increase in development from group to group was considered meaningful or like relevant, but not linear. Meaning like in previous studies, when you go from say 10 to 20 sets, 
the return from increasing sets within those guidelines of 10 to 20 sets proved to be more linear with the increased volume than at this threshold. Okay. So the study shows that although the increase in muscle mass was evident enough to be considered like relevant and useful, there's an indication of diminishing returns for your time invested and volume increased at the threshold of around 20 sets per muscle group per week. At least that's my understanding of the information. So now let's look at the study with some critical thinking to determine the value of this information and whether or not you should start drastically increasing your training volume so you can turn into the Incredible Hulk, right? So the first consideration is that that muscle group focused on in the study was quads and quads tend to respond to higher volume relative to other muscle groups. Second consideration is that the total training volume of the participants as a whole. Okay. So what was the total training volume of the participants as a whole? Because we don't know exactly what they did for training the other muscle groups the upper body, but if I were to take an educated guess, or if it were me taking part in the study, I'd have added a push day and a pull day, and I'd have kept my training to no more than five days per week at maximum. And the reason for this is I believe with the intensity of the training, like the proximity of failure that they were training to, coupled with the overall increasing in volume, especially with group three, I can't see how participants would have finished the study or grown at all if they hadn't been training more than that. Because all training workload creates a localized fatigue on the specific muscle that you're being, that you're training, but it also has an overall effect on your central nervous system. So the total volume of training per week has a cumulative effect on your central nervous system. It's not just specific to muscles that you're training. Okay. And that 100% compounds, the higher your volume is, and it's definitely a consideration for recovery. Third consideration that I'm interested in is what were the effects on the muscles not included in the study? What were the effects on the upper body? Like, was there any growth? Did the participants just maintain muscle in those areas? Or was there a detrimental effect? Like, did they lose muscle in their upper body? So it's hard to say because it wasn't tested. But if I had to make an educated guess, I would personally assume that the upper body gains were minor or like at best at maintenance, meaning they just maintained their muscle. And the fourth consideration is how did they determine the intensity of the sets as the program progressed? Like, was it rep speed or just the perceived efforts of like the participants? Does that make sense? Because like, if it was rep speed, then that's something that's like monitored, right? But if it was just the perceived effort of the participants, then you have to consider the mental aspect of training intensity, you have to consider that matters and that like we inherently protect ourselves. So like me personally, if I know I've got to do 17 working sets, 17 hard sets on legs, I'm 
going to leave a little bit in the tank at the beginning of my workout. Like, and who wouldn't, right? Now, the fifth and final consideration was, is, is what was the actual increase in training volume in the two groups that progressed? Because in group number three, the number of sets over the 12 week period increased by 236%. So like, there's no possible way that the training volume, which can be viewed as total pounds lifted per week, increased by 236%. And if it did, there's no way participants were working at two reps left in reserve during the beginning of their study. If your training volume like pounds lifted per week or per session increased by 236% over a 12 week period, then like your first week you were mailing it in. Right. So those are all the things that I look at as considerations when looking at the study. Because for example, would increasing reps or increasing weight yielded the same results because training volume is an indicator of success for growth, right? So now after looking at those considerations, it's time to apply the information of the study. Now, this study was pretty well controlled. Um, but like all studies, unless people are willing to be locked in a cage with everything monitored from their sleep, stress, nutrition, etc., it's not a perfect study. But there's definitely some valuable information to pull from this study. For me, it wasn't exactly eye-opening. And it didn't make me think that I should start training 52 sets per week on every muscle now. Because logically it's impossible to train that hard that much on all body parts. I talked about the cumulative effect of training like muscles and taking them to fatigue on your central nervous system. So you, if you were to apply this to all muscles, if you even got through two weeks, you would be ground into the dirt. Like you would have nothing in you by the end of a couple of weeks. But the information in the study did reinforce some things that I already do and have seen like great benefit from personally and with my clients. So I believe that the study does indicate that the maximum recoverable training volume as a whole for people is higher than previous research indicates. I believe, although we can probably train more than previously determined, there's diminishing returns once you hit anywhere above 25 sets on average per muscle group per week, or looking at it as a whole on all body parts, around 75-ish working sets, total training volume across the entire body, okay? I believe if you use this information intelligently, you can split that training volume up, that total training volume up as you see fit to bring up specific areas by prioritizing more volume on some muscle groups and less on others. But you can apply it to all muscle groups or the central nervous system fatigue would just be too much. 
Okay. Now, I also believe that allocating this level of volume to a specific muscle group is very specific to the muscle group that was prioritized in the study. Like this level of volume would create overtraining injuries like tendonitis in smaller muscle groups. And the quads specifically are already known to respond to higher training volumes. So like, look at it this way. Don't go thinking that you should do 52 sets per week of bicep curls and tricep extensions, expecting anything other than trashed elbows, right? You got to consider the bone structure and the joints under demand when you're allocating extra volume. This study prioritized compound lifts with two multi-joint exercises of squats and leg press and only one movement with one joint access of a leg extension, okay? So the majority of this training involved both hip and knees, right? Both the hips and the knees were under load in the majority of the allocation of training through the squats and the leg press. Now, the hips are the most robust joint in our body. So it's no surprise that our legs, especially, can handle this kind of workload without getting like an overuse injury or a tendonitis. Okay. Something else that's really important is they spread the training volume out over three sessions per week, which is important for a few reasons. Training a muscle group more frequently will keep muscle protein synthesis high throughout the week because muscle protein synthesis, your body's ability to convert protein to new muscle, stays heightened in the specific muscle you've trained for 12 to 72 hours after lifting, okay? And it's also important to note that Splitting up that much volume into fewer workouts would have a negative effect on growth, not a positive one, right? So like if you were trying to do 52 sets per week on a muscle group with one or two training sessions, you would just create too much damage per session. And instead of healing and then building muscle in the repair process, you'd, you'd be lucky to just recover back to baseline. You'd be lucky to just heal from the damage you created with that insane amount of volume in, in a single or in two sessions. Okay. So for me personally, I like I like to keep working sets around 15 per session per muscle group and always well below 20. Okay. And if you look at the study during the most demanding final two weeks of the study. Group number three did an average of about 17 sets per session in the final two weeks. And what this did was it created a state of overreaching. And overreaching is a short period of overtraining. <clears throat> That's important to note, and there's value in that. There's value in overreaching. So overreaching is a principle in training where you increase the demand over time in a program until the final week or two 
to create a high state of fatigue on the body. And what that does is it leverages the supercompensation cycle. The supercompensation cycle is what happens when we go into a state of fatigue and our body adapts to avoid that state of fatigue. So the supercompensation cycle has been used for decades by powerlifters, Olympic lifters, and like Olympian, Olympic athletes to make the body adapt to stress that's been created in training more aggressively to prevent getting into that state of fatigue again. Okay. So overreaching is like increasing difficulty of training over time till the end of a program where you increase the difficulty of training so much that you were overtraining at that stage, but it was okay because it was only for a short period of time. Then you pull back on your training, your body super compensates to become more like a fit, like efficient and avoid that fatigue. And that's how Olympic athletes, power lifters, uh, and Olympic lifters are peaking so that they're the strongest or they're, they're the most athletic on one specific day for a competition. Okay. Now I've been using the super compensation cycle and overreaching in all of my programs since 2018. Um, so it's, it's valuable. It's often used for athletic performance, but I personally leverage it for like aesthetic changes as well. Right. For fat loss, for muscle gain. Okay. Now something else that's key about the study is like, I believe just like they did that increasing your sets is a way to progress. Um, pardon me, increasing your sets as a way to progress is extremely effective. Now you have to consider that it's time consuming unless you're decreasing reps over time. Like I do in my programs, the fat, fat loss frequency method and explode and grow. I use sets as a progression in those programs and they're extremely effective. Now, um, I talked, I talked about how I, how I use progressions in my programming in episode number 11, 11, pardon me, how to build a program like an award winning coach. So if you haven't listened to it after this, go check out episode 11, how to build a program like an award winning coach. And you'll have an understanding of how to increase and progress through increasing sets. Okay. Okay. So anyways, last, but like not least important belief is that we've determined that you can use this to bring up weak points. That's probably the most value in this study is that you can prioritize specific body parts by leveraging more volume on some and less than others. But I believe that you should only implement weak point training to bring up specific body parts by allocating more training volume to specific muscles while like deprioritizing others under two circumstances. Circumstance number one would be prioritizing more volume on larger muscle groups like legs and back in a way to leverage fat loss in order to burn more calories in training and put more overall muscle tissue on from the increased, uh, in order to increase more, increase your metabolism, pardon me. Okay. So again, like, 
the only two times that I would use leveraging more volume to bring up body parts in training would be on a fat loss program where I'm prioritizing large muscle groups like legs and back because those are larger muscles. So I would leverage them in a fat loss program to burn more calories because they're larger muscles and have an ability to take advantage of those larger muscles, which have more potential for growth so that the lean tissue added would increase your metabolism more, right? And the second situation where I would use like weak point allocation or increasing sets to bring up specific body parts would be after you've been lifting for at least a year or, or more, to be honest, and you've already developed a really decent baseline condition, right? Like you're already in good shape and you focused on the basics and the fundamentals long enough to earn the right to use like more specificity in your training on smaller lagging body parts like shoulders, arms, and calves. Okay. It's like, in my opinion, you need to earn the right to focus on bringing up small body parts after you get fit, if that makes sense. Okay. So until you're at that point, don't go to the gym with a goal of being like, I think I want to bring up my arms. Well, if you're 25% body fat, nobody's going to see that your arms are bigger anyways. Right. So until you're at that point where you're in pretty decent shape, spread your training volume out like pretty evenly. That way you'll optimize your time in the gym before utilizing methods that have diminishing returns because the sweet spot for your time invested in training is still in and around 20 sets because yes, you can increase more muscle beyond that. But in my opinion, the returns are diminishing based on the time invested, right? So there you have it. You've got an in-depth understanding of how to not only prioritize your volume in training, but how to leverage that volume specifically in, in accordance with where you're at in training and what your goals are, right? So now you know how to use the information from the study and whether or not you should use the information from the study. So if you really enjoyed this review, share this episode to your social media stories or send it to a friend um, so that other people who love training and want to hear about this study can use the information as well. Have the best day ever. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.